Okay, so some family news for those of you who may have known BN over many, many years. She's been part of our church for a long time. And uh, I remember BN, she came into our church when we were still in the Holiday Inn. She was wondering about a church and she came in and they had it advertised on one of their billboards and she came up to be with us. And she's been with us ever since then and been an absolute blessing. But uh, she went on a trip uh, to visit family in China and arrived back uh, last week. But unfortunately went to be with the Lord. She had a heart attack. And um, yeah, so she went to be with Jesus. We know that's where she is at. So it's sad for us because we will miss her. And uh, she's obviously been a, a very a key, important part of our family, our spiritual family. So it is an occasion that um, brings with it always the question, why, Lord, would you take somebody home so young in some ways uh, to be with you? But the Lord knows. We know that everything is in the Lord's hand. He holds the key to life and death. The devil doesn't hold it. And uh, Jesus has taken her home. So uh, I will be sending out an email. The funeral is going to be next week, uh, and I will give you the details. It's on a Sunday, and it'll be probably around between 2 and 4, uh, either between 1 and 3 or 2 and 4. We, that's still been arranged. Uh, but I will send you an email w with regard to that. Jan will just say something as well. Um, so, Bien was um, a very, very dear lady, a very dear Christian. Uh, she was a, uh, um, a sister in Christ. Um, from the time that she came, the first time I met her, nine years ago, Bien was always about Jesus. That was her main uh, focus. She loved Jesus. She loved his church. She loved her family. Um, and she loved Canada. She loved this community. And she was somebody who always... Uh, strove to serve her community, whether it was Liberty Church or the broader community here in Kanata. She was active in um, any election that was going on. Bien was a servant, a, a real servant of Christ. So I'd just like to read a scripture um, that I... Um, that I feel really pertained uh, is a description of BN. Um, it's from 2 Peter 1, and it's verse 8, and it says, um, the more you grow like this, speaking about uh, the attribu attributes of Christ uh, living in us, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it was unexpected. We didn't expect to be in, probably didn't expect to be going home uh, so soon. But we know that it was a grand entrance for be in. Because be in loved Jesus with all her heart, with all her strength, her mind and her soul. And I just want to pay tribute to a lady um, who was a real blessing. There was not one instance in Liberty Church that I can say Bien was not a blessing. Bien was always a blessing to this church. She was a great encouragement to Kirk and I. And we'll miss her. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for the time that we had with her while here on earth, Lord Jesus. We thank you for the work that she did, the faithful work that she did. And we just, we just, she, she's honored in our hearts and in our minds and in our memory. And we know she lives. And we know that she will return with you when you come. In Jesus' name, amen. So what is very interesting to me, and if I look a little bit tentative, it's because I hurt my back. So if I'm a little bit quieter than normal, it's because of that. But what is interesting to me, I found out about BN yesterday in terms of, you know, what had happened. And we're, not, we, we're jumping out of the book of Revelation, but we're just still dealing with something that is a part of the book of Revelation. 
which I thought was important, and it's to do with the rapture, but it's actually to do with the resurrection. And one of the key scriptures I'm going to focus on is actually related to exactly what's happened with BN. And I was just struck by the scripture, and I will read it later, where where Paul says to the people, brothers and sisters, we don't want you to grieve when people pass away the same way as those who have no hope. In other words, faith tells us where actually BN is, so that we do not grieve like those who do not have hope. It doesn't mean that we don't, there isn't a process of, of grief, but it should be more like when you're saying goodbye to somebody who's leaving for another country, rather than saying goodbye as if this is final. And I think that one of the things that we must not be caught up in is grieving the same way the world grieves. And the world grieves without hope. The world sees a person pass away and they feel like that's the end, the end of their, their whole being. Um, and even for those who have hope in terms of, okay, they've gone to be with Jesus, uh, they have no hope for their physical uh, body. But we are going to speak about that today. And that's what I want to speak about. So we're going to speak about the, uh, the resurrection before I go on to the, the rest of the book of Revelation, I think I need to just clear up some understanding of what some would call the rapture, because the Bible doesn't use that word. Uh, but the Bible puts it up like this, being caught up to meet Jesus in the air. Now, this is a very important understanding as we go through the rest of the book of Revelation. And the way that we actually see or understand our being gathered up to meet Jesus and what happens has an effect on the way we interpret the book of Revelation, particularly as I will go on. And so I felt like, I know some people have asked me about this because they, they're very interested to know what is going to happen when Jesus returns. And some may have heard of this term raptures, a rapture, others not. Rapture is a term used to describe the gathering and transformation of believers that occurs at the return of the Lord to the earth. This is primarily, though, to do, the focus and attention has been on rapture, but actually the fundamental understanding of the Lord's return and us being gathered to Him is actually about the basic doctrine of the resurrection. So in Hebrews 6, it says, Therefore let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instructions about baptism, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Okay, so we, you may, I'm not too sure how long you've been a Christian, Maybe you've been a Christian for many years. But a lot, a, lot of, a lot of believers don't get taught the foundational teaching on the resurrection of the dead. And it's my observational belief that because this has not been taught, people have a view of the rapture that excludes the resurrection and an understanding of the resurrection which is actually the basic doctrine. Rapture is not the basic doctrine. Resurrection is the basic doctrine. And this thing we call rapture and gathering to be with Christ is actually a part of that teaching. So we want to look at it from that. Uh, from that. And we need to understand it, as I said, because it impacts how we actually interpret the rest of the book of Revelation. And um, so we're going to look at a couple of scriptures together. Because I think it is important, maybe some of you, like me, when I was at Bible college, what I'm going to be speaking today, I would have tried to refute. But obviously, I hadn't done a thorough enough investigation from a scriptural point of view to come to this a knowledge of what I believe the truth is. 
So I'm going to go through some scriptures that actually indicate what happens when Jesus Christ returns. Now, I want to tell you this, brothers and sisters, we are at the end of the age. We're right at the end. Now, people, one might say, well, the end started, as I said, with Jesus Christ, and it did. But there was a specific time Jesus pointed to that would be the beginning of the very, very end. A generation that could expect the return of Christ. I believe we're in it. I believe we are seeing today the fulfillment of that. And so it is important more than ever for us as believers to understand the resurrection and the rapture, the two together, more than at any other time. And I think that that's why this whole issue has been raised is because Jesus' return is very, very soon. And we are preparing not only ourselves, but our children for the expectation of that time. And I, you know, I mean, we're not focused in the sense that if we don't see it, it doesn't really matter. If I go and die and be with the Lord, doesn't matter, does it? But I do believe that when we think about the, uh, the, the prophetic expectation of the Lord's return, there are certain signs that he sp told us to think about so that we would not be overwhelmed by what we see happening in the world today. You know, it speaks about the love of many will grow cold. That there would be an increase of rebellion like never before. So when we look at the world today and we see what's going on, we mustn't be sort of, oh, wow, this is terrible. We must look and say, you know what? The Lord is doing something. This is the thing that he was prophesying about. This is the thing he was speaking about, is the, his return. And so we can be pointing towards that. So we're going to look at a couple of scriptures. And let's look at the first one. It says, and this is from the book of Revelation, and I spoke about this from, and you would have heard me speak about it if you heard me preach from Revelation 1.7, and it says, look, so this is the beginning of the book of Revelation, look, look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye, just underline that every in your Bible, if you've got your Bible out, or your little, just put there every eye. What does every eye mean? Just the believers. Now it says, every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the people of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. So when Jesus returns... Every eye will see him. The return of the Lord is not a secret. There is no secret second coming, according to this scripture. So you might say to me, oh, well, Kirk, that must be speaking about the second second coming. As some have said, you know that there's two comings of the, of the Lord. Well, I'm going to go through all the scriptures that speak about his return and then you must find me the one that speaks about his secret one. Because it isn't there. Alright, let's go to the next scripture. Mark 13, 26. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds. So Revelation 1, 7, every eye will see him. Mark 13, 26. At that time, men will, men will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. We've got two scriptures now that are about the same thing. Are they not? All right. And then he will send his angels out and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth and the ends of the heaven. So now not only do we see Jesus returning 
But we also see him sending out his angels for those who are left alive till he comes and collecting them. But we see Jesus. Every eye will see him. And then we will be, he will send out his, his uh, angels to collect them. And we'll get there. So no one, so one of the things that happens when Jesus returns, his angels will gather his elect, the true believers, the rapture or the ingathering. That's what it's speaking about. All right? Next scripture. This is how it will be, and it was speaking about the time of Moses. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken and the other will be left. Sounds like the scripture before, eh? So the Son of Man comes, everybody sees him, and then he sends out his angels to gather the elect. Now, concerning the rapture in gathering of God's people, one person is taken and one is left behind. The scripture does not state that one, the one left behind did not observe the Lord's return. Now, I use this scripture because I've been in this theology for a long time. I was very impacted by a movie that came out where I was watching this movie. And in the movie, they have a person going outside to mow the lawn. And his, the husband or the wife, who's not a believer, is inside. He mows the lawn and then all of a sudden, you look back and there's nobody at the lawnmower. I mean, that was a pretty... I mean, that scared a lot of people into the kingdom, that movie. <laughs> it scared a lot of people because you, you can imagine, that's like... You know, it's like a UFO kind of type of thing, you know. But obviously, as a Christian, you believe the Bible, and the Bible speaks somewhat of it. All right, but it does not say in this scripture that actually the person that was left behind did not know that the Lord was in the air. And some people have argued from silence that actually it's a secret rapture because of this. All right, it's not a secret rapture. All right. This argument is from silence and left me, uh, I'm not going to, it's a poor argument based on the fact that the previous scripture indicate that Christ is seen by all who is returned. Uh, so, and this is the, the difficulty with what, uh, what has been proposed is because people have proposed something that actually doesn't seem to line up with what scripture says. You know, then we'd have to take this scripture in isolation to the other two because we can't be speaking about the same event. Because every eye will see Jesus when he returns. Every eye will see him when he returns. This is important to know. If you really press people reading this teaching on the, the rapture is secret, and I have, because the only logical explanation is that there's actually two more returns of the Lord. One that is secret, that come, Jesus comes back, and snatches the, uh, the, the believers away, and then they go away to be in heaven for some time, and then Jesus comes back again. But the scripture never indicates that anyway. It, it believes in the one return of the Lord. One. Now, it's important to know that, because it has an effect, again, on the way that we will view, uh, view the rest of, of the book of Revelation. Okay? So nothing secret about his return. So let's read this scripture. Now this scripture goes into more detail as to this specific event where Jesus returns and gathers his elect from the four corners of the earth. And it says this, 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 13 to 18. It says, Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. And this is, this is an amazing scripture, particularly in light of being going to be with the Lord. I, I mean, I did not know when I was preparing this that the, I, I only found out yesterday. But it is amazing how the Spirit of God prepares beforehand the groundwork for us before we preach. You know, it's an amazing thing. I, I, it, that's how He works. It's great. 
So it says, I do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and he rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you, we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still left alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So this scripture unlocks more information about that day when Jesus returns. And it says that, Bien, and she's now the example today. So Bien will be coming with Jesus when he returns. But Bien will not be coming with Jesus in a physical form. He, she will be coming in a spiritual form. But what will happen then first? The dead in Christ rise first. In other words, she will receive, the dead that have died in Christ first will receive their resurrected body first. Then we who are left will be caught up to be with Jesus in the air. Amazing. Isn't that amazing? Sorry. Yes. Our bodies will be transformed. If we left here to the coming of Jesus, our bodies will be transformed, which I'll get to now. All right. So that's the way it happens. This gives us more insight as into what is going to be happening. And it's a glorious thing. So Paul is addressing a very specific issue that the people were dealing with at that time. And the issue was the grief when a loved one dies physically. So that's what he was addressing. He was addressing what happens when somebody dies physically that is in the Lord. And he basically said, this is the purpose of this teaching, was to encourage believers in the basic doctrine of the resurrection, which means that the physical resurrection of their loved ones who had died would be raised physically when Christ returns. We know that the spiritual being is not in question. Because Paul himself said, it is better for me to die and go be with him. It is better for you if I stay. It is for your good that I stay. But what should I say? I long to be there. So when you die, you go to be with Jesus. But not in a physical form, because you don't need a physical form in heaven. Do you? You will be with Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Jesus has promised us. He says, I've got to prepare a house for you. In the heaven, we've got a mansion. Not for our physical body, for our spiritual body. He's gone to prepare a place. All right? That's why it says this. So the spiritual well-being was not in question. They were present with the Lord when they died. Paul clearly indicates that. You must understand from a Jewish perspective, though, and also from a biblical perspective, redemption meant body, soul, and spirit. So if we simply divorce this thing and say, okay, well, it's only about the spiritual, then we miss the promises of the Old Testament, which were both spiritual and physical. Now, you might not, if you're reading the Bible and you read the interactions that Jesus had with some of the people, particularly with when, when he came to raise Lazarus from the dead, Martha, he, Jesus asked Martha, do you believe he will be raised? And she had that expectation. Yes, Lord, he will be raised on the last day. Expectation of physical resurrection. All the promises of the Old Testament about when the king, the Messiah, rules were related to physical promises. 
not just spiritual promises. So it is important to understand that. Very, very important to understand that. Because as a, as a Gentile, we have a Greek way of thinking which divides everything up. And even to the extent where the physical is not as important as, okay, spiritually I'm going to be with Jesus. But Jesus and God came to redeem his creation. Not just human beings. That's why the Bible says that all of creation eagerly, eagerly awaits in great anticipation for the revealing of God's people. Why? Because when the earth is ruled by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the people who submit to Him, this earth will be good. That's the expectation. So we must understand that expectation because a lot of times we don't have that expectation and then guess what? The resurrection means nothing to us. Because what's the point? I'm with Jesus, golden gates and angels and streets of gold and happiness ever after in heaven. But that is to deny the promises given to God's people. So we must understand that. That's what is so important about understanding the resurrection of the dead. And it's a basic doctrine. So I know that there is this teaching out there that was when we caught up to heaven... That there's a great banquet in heaven while the world is going to hell in a handbasket with the Antichrist ruling. There's that teaching out there. But it's fundamentally flawed because there's not a lot of scriptures to back it up. This teaching has no merit in both logic or scripture. I believe it has sometimes corrupted the whole understanding of the basic doctrine of the resurrection of the dead. Because what is the point of the resurrection? If you're actually, the point is just to be in heaven. What's the point? And unfortunately, the church, in the Western world anyways, bought into this in a big way, so that actually the resurrection, a basic doctrine, is actually, doesn't mean much. So I die, doesn't matter. I've got to be with the Lord and that's fine. But it denies the whole expectation and anticipation of what God will do in the future with the earth. It's very, very, very key. Okay? We do not need a resurrected body for heaven. We need a resurrected body for the earth. God redeems us for what he intended us to be before this earth fell into what it was. Hallelujah. Isn't that exciting? I mean, you know, we, this is what can be robbed from people if they don't understand this prophetic expectation of the world or the kingdom to come. Now, how will this happen? Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not sleep, all sleep, meaning we will not all die. But we will be changed in the flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and we'll speak about the trumpets in the book of Revelation because it does speak about That's why it's important to know these scriptures. All right? For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality and when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality then the saying that is written will come true death where O death is your has been swallowed up in victory where O death is your victory where O death is your sting the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He has gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord 
Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So we cannot rule on this earth in a corrupted body. Although there will be people on this earth that will still die because they hadn't accepted Jesus before we went to be with them. You see, Jesus is going to be ruling on earth. And we who are saved, our true believers, will be ruling with Jesus. I'm sure that you're, for some of you that are interested in politics, are looking at what is happening, particularly what's just happened down south, and all the intrigue of governments and power and the political will of people to try and bring about certain things. Now guess what? That's not going to happen down here. We, can, I mean, we pray for our government and we pray for righteous laws, but we will not see the perfection because that perfection is not destined for any earthly king, but only for one king that is coming is Jesus. And we will be those people that are now having a political will. We're going to be the ones that actually enforce the will of Jesus in the earth when he comes. And that is the point of the resurrection. And it's a very, very important. And because it's the point of the resurrection, it's the point of the rapture. That actually we have this expectation of what is to come. Now, there is something we need to be careful with, all right? And some people have got caught up in it. Some people in the, the, of the believers got caught up in it in the Old Testament, where they started to focus too much on the earth. Because you see, the earth is important to God. And the redemption of the earth is important to God. But there is a teaching now that focuses people in attention on living that life now. And the focus of attention is how to get people to live this perfect life now. And when you focus on that, guess what suffers? The work of God. We think that the work of God is getting us up the ladder. But actually, if you look at history and look at all the people that, like people like Paul, that he said, follow me as I follow Christ, imitate me as I imitate Christ, choose people that imitate me. All of these people climbed down the ladder. They didn't climb up it. They never preached Messages that spoke about your best life now. They always preached about the kingdom to come. They had a clear understanding of the resurrection of the dead. Of the fact that when we think about the kingdom, we're thinking about what will happen when Jesus comes back to rule. And I want to be in that place. Do you want to be there? I want to be there. That's what it's about. That's what it's about, brothers and sisters. That's what its focus is. Now, there's one, more, one scripture I just want to bring in here because it is the one scripture that I must admit I found a little bit difficult to reconcile when people were speaking about, you know, that actually we were going, we were going to go through some things. I felt like we're going to be escaping it all. And this was the scripture particularly. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. Okay. Now the Bible clearly says we were not destined to suffer judgment as believers. God is not coming to judge those who are his. All right. He's coming to reward those that are His, but He's not coming to judge them. Those who have given their life to Jesus and live His life, they've been judged already. Their sin is in that water when they came out. 
It no longer is with them. We have not been destined for judgment. We've been destined for reward, but not for judgment. So what happens here? All right. And I, and I, I thought it's an important scripture to come up because I know that when people read through the book of Revelation and they see all the judgment, some of the stuff that is happening in the book of Revelation are to do with the judgment of God, which I believe happens at His coming. And we will be part of the people in the air at His coming and the judgments will come. Now we don't know the full how it's going to happen, but certainly there are the judgments of God that are coming. And those judgments that come upon the earth, guess what? They don't come to us. God keeps us from that trial. So you don't have to worry. So when you read through, because there's some serious judgment that's coming. I mean, you know it. Some serious judgment. I believe some of the stuff that's in the book of Revelation that has to do with judgment is already starting. You know, in the Bible it speaks about... It speaks, and we'll get to that, a quarter of something disappearing, 25% living things disappearing. Well, the thing you can remember about the last century is that more than that of all species has been taken away. So we are living right at that time. There's no question about it. We are living in that time. Some of the stuff where it speaks about wormwood, which we'll get to, where it poisons the water. And people died, and there was no life in the water. We sing it. Before our very eyes, the book of Revelation is coming out. But guess what? When it comes to the judgment of God, we're all safe, those that are true believers. And true believers are people that are obedient to Him. Understand that. You know, there's no such thing as a put my hand up believer. The believers are those who endure to the end, that endurance. Those are believers. Okay, it's important to know that. So what I want to just encourage you, because I know that we're reading through the book of Revelation, I don't really want you to feel like, oh, that thing is going to happen to me and my children. What are going to happen? That judgment's coming upon us. No, it's not. It's not going to happen. God will keep us from the trial that's coming on the earth, and it is going to be a trial. I believe it'll be at His coming. When He, Jesus, returns... The judgment of God comes with him. And how long it will be, I do not know. Will it be a couple of days? Will it be a couple of months? I'm not too sure that we know that. As I've shared with you in the book of Revelation, some of the numbers are symbolic, not real, in the sense that we can say they're only, like I said, it's not only seven churches in the book of Revelation. There are more than seven churches. But seven is symbolic of what God is doing. So... I'm going to leave you with this. A couple of things. All right? The first, first thing that we can take out of this is that our King Jesus is coming. And with him, all the people that have died in him. He's coming. So that's the first encouragement. He is coming. And he's coming with the people. All of the people. We've had people in this church that have died. Gone to be with Jesus. Guess what? They're coming. Gary. Remember Gary. Rick. They're coming. Secondly, we and those that have died will be clothed with an immortal physical body. That's the resurrection of the dead. Now, again, I want to emphasize this resurrection of the dead because Paul got himself into deep water. If you look at his, when he went in with the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, the Pharisees, all right, believed that the, in the resurrection of the dead. Sadducees didn't. So what does Paul do? When he's with them and they're putting him on trial in the, in, among the, 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 the Jewish people, uh, Believers or Jewish people then, guess what happens? He says, I'm standing on trial here. I'm here before you because of my belief and faith in the resurrection of the dead. That's what he states. 
and it put him in hot water. So it is important. All right. Thirdly, we will rule with Jesus on this earth. And this is the purpose of a resurrected body and the resurrection. So that's the purpose. I need a resurrected body. I had a bit of a fall this week. My back is sore. I cannot wait for that resurrected body. I can see the lines on my face. As I'm aging, I need a resurrected body. I haven't got the energy I had when I was a 20-year-old. I need a resurrected body. <laughs> That's what the Bible says. It promises, doesn't it? It says, we will outrun. Age will outrun the young. We need a resurrected body. So we look forward to that. Look forward to that perfecting, which will happen. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we don't grieve like those who do not have any hope. So when we go next week, for those of you who will attend the funeral, we don't grieve the same way as those who do not have hope. We don't look at BN and say, well, that's final. Even from a body point of view, when you put her body in the ground, guess what? She's going to be raised again, physically. So we don't grieve the same way. We grieve like we would if somebody was leaving for another country. And it's a different type of grief, eh? If I said to you, guys, God is moving me on, like when we moved from South Africa, we had to say goodbye to friends and family with the possibility of not seeing them again. Now, we've gone back, but some of the friends that we had, we don't always see. So in a sense, you've said goodbye. But it's not the same thing saying goodbye to somebody who's leaving like that than saying goodbye to somebody that's died. But for the believer, it should be like we're saying goodbye as somebody that is going to just be in some other place. Does that make sense? I hope so. So that's what the encouragement of the resurrection is. And then lastly, is to give ourselves fully to the work of God. I mean, that's quite a powerful statement, don't you think? There is this expectation, and I want to tell you, people who live with a sense of the return of Jesus Christ, all right, and his kingdom, give themselves fully to the Lord. And I'd encourage us old dogs who've been in the faith a long time, myself included, one of the things that happens over time is you start to relinquish that passion you had when, with, that you used to live with when the expectation of Jesus was near. If we live with the expectation of the coming kingdom, we'll give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Amen. And so I want to encourage you in that. You know, everything that you do, do it as unto the Lord and for the purpose of the Lord, nothing else. So I'm working for the Lord. Everything that you do, I'm working for the Lord. I'm working for Jesus here. Doesn't matter what you do. You might be, now you've got to make a, you've got to make a living. But you go out there and you work, but you're not working for yourself and for your self-betterment. And don't, don't go, don't be in an environment that teaches you that and makes much of your great gifting and your great success. Because there's only one person we want to see elevated, and that's Jesus. All right? Let him elevate us. And even once he's elevated us, like the 12 or the 24 elders in the book of Revelation, we take that crown that he's given us and we put it before his feet. We don't want... We, when you have a, that type of focus on Jesus and his kingdom, you don't want any glory, even in this life. You walk humbly. I want to encourage that. But we have this hope. We have this hope. Amen. Now, I'm going to get Zach and the music team. Izzy, Baram. And what I felt like the Lord said to me 
And I'm going to ask my fellow believers to help me, my fellow leaders to help me. Is, and I only, rem- I only remember now because I, I, as I said, I took a bit of a tumble and my back got sore. And I thought, and we started praying intently for it, straight away. As soon as my back was out, we started to pray and pray. And I felt like the Lord speak about us praying for healing. On a continual basis. That if we're going to see breakthrough, we're going to need to persevere when people are sick. So that's what Jesus did. Now Jesus, let me tell you what Jesus did. Jesus did not, there was few times that he actually went up to the person and healed them. They came to him for healing. So we're going to have a time to pray over while they're doing the second last song. What was that second last song that you did? Remembrance. That was no? the last or song. No. Build yeah. me. Uh, build us up. Yeah. Yes, that one. Okay. So we're going to just bow our heads. And I'm just going to say, if you, again, you've got to want the healing. If you don't, you don't have to come to the front. But I just felt like the Lord say that this is what we need to do. We need to, if we're going to see healing, we need to ask. And part of that is just coming up and asking. And so while we sing this, this next song and we worship the Lord with this next song, and you can worship with it, you can stand up and worship to it, you can sit, you can do whatever you like. But if you are in need of healing, any person who's in need of healing for anything at this point in time, if you want to come to the front, that would be great because we want to pray for you. And I'm going to be prayed for as well. So we just want you to come to the front while, the, while we're worshiping. Lord, we just come now, Lord God, before you. Father, you said that you wanted us to ask you that when there is anything that we needed, that you were to ask us and that you would grant it to us so that your name may be glorified. For this is to your, for, for this is to your glory, Lord. Not only that, Lord God, you also told us, you told those disciples when they first went out, when you sent them out, you said, go and whoever you come into welcomes you in and then pray for the sick, heal the sick, cast out the demons. And the, and the, and the people, the disciples came back to you rejoicing that even the, the demons listened to, you, listened to their, them coming out. So we really want that, Lord God. So if you would like that, just come down to the front right now. And we're going to pray for you. And we're just going to open it up for uh, anybody to come and pray. I just feel that. Just that we're all called to pray for one another. So, come to the front. desiring to fall pregnant I feel like that it's a promise the Lord will give you children Um, so if you'd like us to pray for you I would love to pray for you if that's you want to encourage us to be persistent in this area really persistent 
So if this, if you just ask, if you're a husband or you're a wife or a son or a daughter, just ask your brother or your sister or your wife, husband, just to pray for you every day. Doesn't matter. And if you aren't, ask somebody every time you're with somebody that's a believer and believes in healing. You must ask for healing. I really feel that there is a need to ask. And I feel like God is wanting us to be persistent in this. And then He will break through. just going to pray for Prince as well because he's not going to be with us for a couple of weeks and I just want to pray for him so if you could stretch out your hands he's going to be away in Nigeria and while I know that he's going to do business with his family just to help some of the things his dad's involved with we know that God sends us doesn't matter what the purpose is at first, or, but God sends us for a purpose. And so, Lord, we just pray over Prince for his protection. We pray, Lord God, that, you, that you, you've got a work for him to do while he's there. Lord God, we don't know what that work is. We know that, there, we know that he's going to help his dad. But we do know, Lord God, that there's more than that. He's going to help his father who's in heaven. And that, Lord Jesus, there are people there, Lord, that you want him to minister to. There's work there that you have him to do. And so, Lord God, we send him as a part of our church, Lord. We send him in Jesus' name. We pray for his protection, that you would protect him in every way, Lord God, against everything that the enemy would try and put against him. We pray your protection. And we pray for wisdom and understanding in all the dealings that he has to do with his dad, his dad's businesses, Lord. So we just pray a blessing on him as he goes, Lord. 